The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device to listen to us anywhere in the entire world. In addition to downloading the app, go to the web at radiolex.us. Amber Turner and I are both broadcasting from the Deborah Hensley Studios here at Radio Lex on North Limestone. Amber, so much has been happening. I don't even really know where to start. Now, you know that I think sports talk radio is atrocious. Uh, Well, you know, I've heard you mention that a few times. But... We're actually going to start the show off talking sports. Hey, look at their balls. Because it's a big day in Kentucky. Uh, you know, big news day. A big news day. It has been this week, not necessarily today, but a lot is going on in this state. And we will start with the firing of the head basketball coach for the Louisville Cardinals, Chris Mack. He was and officially is fired, no longer with the program. He was signed to a seven-year deal with Louisville. But after four years, they have decided to part ways with the coach. He signed a $28 million contract when he joined the Cardinals. Well. And it was guaranteed. They have to pay him the money. So I've been hearing reports that they had to pay the man a $12 million buyout. Oh. And in order to afford that, the university normally doesn't pay that. A booster does. Yeah. That means somebody out there. I mean, who are these people? <laughs> who are these people out there that have that kind of money to where they don't they will spend twelve million of their own money uh-huh. just to get you fired? Be like, Well, gonna have to go pull me some money out of the bank. I done let him go today. And it's I can't believe that somebody is just around with that kind of money. But nonetheless, he is gone. The Louisville Cardinals are 11 and 9 and sit at 5 and 5 in the conference currently. And that is way under expectations for the program. Yeah. Louisville is a top 10, some say top 5 college basketball program in the history of college basketball. So their expectations are very high, yeah. like the ones here at the University of Kentucky. So he was suspended for six games at the start of the season because of his assistant coach. Yeah. Oh. His assistant coach did some things yeah. that falls on the head coach. Absolutely. And he had to be suspended. Chris Mack just really didn't fit in at yeah. Louisville. I didn't think from the very beginning he was going to fit in there. You know, sometimes there's a good fit. Regardless of how good the coach is, there's either a good fit or not. Chris Mack, to me, he was never a good fit for the Cardinals. You went from having Rick Bettino, arguably the greatest basketball coach in the world, to Chris Mack. <laughs> well, you're going to have to call him Mac Daddy after he gets all that money because he played the game on that one. I mean, even before Rick Bettino, you had Denny Crum. Denny Crum was a great coach, legendary coach, coached against Joby Hall, coached against Rick Bettino. 
But you go from Denny Crum to Rick Bettino to Chris Mack. <laughs> and I was correct. He was not a good fit for the program. So I think that they are making the best decision that they can make with firing him. Let's take a look, Amber, at the tail of the tape. This, oh. this is... Uh, what Chris Mack has done while he's been at Louisville. Okay. His first year, he came in and he was twenty and fourteen with the Cardinals, ten and eight in the in the conference, and went to the first round of the NCAA tournament. Not a bad start. Yeah. Made a first appearance, but he lost that first game to Rick Bettino's son Richard in the first game of the tournament. <laughs> Talk about irony on that. One. <laughs> Talk about irony. Not a good look for his first no. year. Not a good look. Then his second year, he didn't have a bad season. 24 and 7, 15 and 5 in the conference. As luck would have it, COVID 19 hit and the NCAA tournament was canceled. Yeah. And the third year, he was 13 and 7, 8 and 5 in the, con- in the uh, conference. He decided to, I don't know if they just didn't make the tournament because of that crappy record, but they self-imposed. Yeah. Said they weren't going to do the tournament. And now finally, the current year, 11 and 9, 5 and 5 currently. Louisville says, no, you got to go. Well, no, wait. Now, you said self-imposed. Does that mean they took themselves completely out? They took themselves completely Who out. Who does that? You do that. Usually teams will do that when, uh-huh. you, when the NCAA. When, you when the NCAA. Most of the time. <laughs> okay. It's, but technically, they do it because the NCAA, they're, they're trying to get in good favor with the NCAA because of the program's bad behavior in the yeah. past. So that's why they did that. But now that... Now that Chris Mack is gone, there's a big job opening in Kentucky. Well. The Cardinals are now looking for a replacement. And I love coaching searches. I do. I love following up on them. I think college basketball coaches are some of the most fascinating creatures that walk the face of the earth. Well, yeah, they are. And to be a good coach, you have to be a good fit for the program. So who might replace... Who might replace Chris Mack at Louisville? I've heard some names. Here are the top contenders. The biggest contender that I've heard is Kenny Payne. If you don't know who Kenny Payne is, he used to be the assistant coach for Calipari at UK. He is currently the assistant coach for the New York Knicks. I think that would be a atrocious hire for the University of Louisville. Bad decision if they hire Kenny Payne. What are you doing even considering Kenny Payne? I know what they're doing. Kenny Payne is a former alum of Louisville. He had success as an assistant coach. Keyword, assistant Assistant. coach. He's never been a head coach. And people just think, because when you ride the coattails of a great coach like he did with John Mm -hmm. Calipari, people think all of a sudden you're just going to be this fabulous, great, wonderful coach, too. No. I'm not saying that he could never be a great, fabulous head coach, but his first head coaching job does not need to be at UofL. I think that's a good way to put it. Bruce Pearl is another name that is circulating as a possible replacement for Chris Mack. Bruce Pearl, I think, would be a slam dunk for the program. I think that he is the best they could get. I think that I I wouldn't mind having Bruce Pearl if Cal ever left, at UK. I think he's a great coach, one of the greatest coaches in college basketball today. But people really don't know if Bruce Pearl will take the job because he is having so much success at Auburn uh, and then Louisville's in a mess. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying, why would he take? Uh, some people are saying, no, he wouldn't He wouldn't leave Auburn for Louisville. Don't 
don't say that. No. Come on. You guys, you're not really thinking deep into this. Uh, yeah. Louisville, a top 10, top 5 basketball, college basketball program. Yeah, they have not had much success as of late. But we're looking at the entirety. Look mm-hmm. at UK back in the day when Calipari came. It was in the toilet bowl when Gillespie was here. Oh, yeah. And Calipari still wanted it and rejuvenated it. Uh-huh. So Bruce Pearl could do the same thing at Louisville. He could rejuvenate that program, could rejuvenate it. Well, they just got to say, here comes the money. Yes. He's had success anywhere he goes. He's controversial. He's scandalous. But, hey, that would be a great fit for U L. I was going to say, it sounds like they're... On cue. And as a college basketball fan, I wouldn't mind seeing Bruce Pearl go to Louisville because I think it would help the rival. The UK Louisville rival is in is in shambles. It doesn't exist anymore. Calipari has owned the UK Louisville rival for the last five, six years. It was always fun to tune in and watch. Rick Bettino versus Calipari, Louisville versus Kentucky. It was a great matchup, and we haven't had that since Rick Bettino left. And if Bruce Pearl comes, it will be must-see TV again. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I doubt, you know, there's no reason that the rival ended. You know, look, if they're pulling themselves out of tournaments, we don't play like that here. We do play a little more ruthless. Rick Bettino would never have pulled himself out of something. So I think if Chris Mack wants to know why he's losing his job, that has just baffled me. Nate Oates is another name floating around out there in the coaching carousel world. If you don't know who Nate Oates is, he just recently took a job as the head coach of the Alabama, and he's having success there. He's having success with Alabama. He's had success pretty much everywhere he goes, Buffalo, Alabama, and he's not even a top 25 paid coach, so that might persuade him to leave Alabama and go to Louisville. Now, if Louisville wasn't looking at all of these potential violations against them, because they they still could have potential violations against them for what they've done, I would say they could go after anybody they would want, and they would come to Louisville. But because that's hanging in the shadows, uh, a lot of coaches are going to be weary on giving up a successful coaching job that they already have to go to Louisville. Can't blame them, though. Will Wade, the head coach of LSU, has a name I've been hearing. A young guy, he's got 101 and 46 record overall as a coach. He's made two NCAA appearances, and look at what he's done at LSU in such a short period of time. LSU, formerly coached by Johnny Jones, now they're, they got this new coach, Will Wade, and they're having success there. They beat Kentucky this year. Oh, yeah. So I could potentially see a Final Four for uh, Will Wade in the future. Chris Holtman is the last name that I've been hearing as a potential placement replacement for Bruce Pearl. He's from Kentucky. He is. He's. I think he's okay. from the Nicholasville area. Oh, well, that's cool. But he's had success at the programs he's been at. Butler, Ohio State. He had a 70-31 record and made, the, and made three NCAA tournaments in three seasons at, at uh, the school. He then left for the Ohio State job. And with the Buckeyes, he has a 99 and 48 record overall there. Hmm. So he has proven that he can have success. Now, I think out of everybody I mentioned, it we need to go with Bruce Pearl. I, I think that would be say. the best replacement for them. And if Kenny Payne gets the job, bad hire. <laughs> and people will say, "Well, how are you going to say that? You ain't you a UK fan?" Yes. 
But I'm not stupid. Yeah, he, well. I'm not stupid. <laughs> but a lot happening. A lot happening at the UofL program. I can't wait to see who they hire. It will be interesting. And I'm telling you what, folks, it doesn't matter how in bad shape your program is, it can always be rejuvenated. It can always be brought back to prominence. And something that I've learned with just sports in general is no matter how crappy a team is, everybody will eventually get their turn. It all comes full around. Look at the Bengals. Oh, Lord. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we still got lots more off the cuff coming at you live after these words. Stick with us. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lone Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just a lonely baby. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. On this day, Amber, in 1956, that's when this song came out, The Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. Well... They're coming out with an Elvis movie this year, a big motion picture on the artist. Okay. Starring Baz something. Wow. Should be a good movie. I'm an Elvis fan. I like Elvis. Elvis, he grew on me. Yeah. I think he. you either like him or you don't. Well, I think it's, if I just don't think about his personal life, I love him. But if I know about his personal life or think about it, I'm like, mm. Died on the throne, they said. Died on the toilet. <laughs> Porcelain throne. Yes, he did. But today is January the 27th, 2022. And on this day in 1956, Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley was released. A lot, Amber, has happened on this day in history. January the 27th. On this day in history... January 27th, 1785, the first U.S. state university chartered in Athens, Georgia, Georgia State. Hi. On this day in 1870, after accepting 15th Amendment, Virginia is readmitted to the Union. (laughs) Well, that was our first mistake. On this day in history, on January 27th, 1894, the first college basketball game, University of Chicago beats Chicago YMCA 19-11. to That's cool. On this day, January 27th, 1948, the first tape recorder was sold. Well, now, look, that was a day made for you. My day. Today is your day. <laughs> My life changed when I bought a tape recorder. I remember getting the Talk Boy yeah. from Home Alone, too. Oh, geez. And that's when I discovered my love of radio, because I was able to talk into it and pretend like I had a radio show. <laughs> Amber, on this day, January 27th in 1970, the movie rating system modifies M rating to PG. Oh. So, have you ever been watching a movie and it says, the following picture has been rated M for mature? Yeah. And I always say, well, I can't watch Well, I can't watch this. But that's for older movies. That's no longer a rating. The mature rating is no longer a rating. The rating system is rated G for general audiences. Yeah. As you know, all ages are omitted. Rated PG means parental guidance suggested. So they went from having a mature rating Mm -hmm. to PG because it was confusing the audience. When people were seeing the mature rating, a lot of parents was thinking, well, you can't watch this because it's mature. But that's not what the rating 
voting system was wanting you to do. They just was trying to say there needs to be somebody in the room with you when you watch it if you're a kid. Yeah, maybe, you know, if it says PG-13, don't let your five-year-olds watch it. So that's why they switched it to PG. That's cool. Now, PG-13 is actually... It didn't come around till the 1980s, 1984 to be exact. And... That stands for parents strongly cautioned for children under the age of 13. Mm -hmm. So it came about in the 1980s because complaints about violent and gore in such films such as Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and the Gremlins, they were all PG rated. Wait, the Gremlins has a PG rating? It used to. Oh, my word. And back in the day... Parents would let their kids watch these films because it was G-rated, and then they found out, or or, or it was um no they they have PG yeah PG ratings so yeah. they would let their uh, kids watch these movies and they'd watch them with them because it was PG and then they realized like hey not even my kids should be watching this so yeah. that's when the rating system said okay kids under thirteen shouldn't watch this so they came out with a PG thirteen rating. Now, I don't know in my life if I ever really went by those. I didn't either. No. And I don't think the movie theater goes by that either. When a movie is rated R, which means restricted, and that means anybody under 17 can't watch the movie at all, no matter if you have a parent with you or not, you can't get in. Aren't they supposed to go by that? Well, I have been to the movies many a time, and I ain't ever seen it in force, so I can neither confirm nor deny that one. I guess they do it to protect themselves from lawsuits. But the first PG-13 movie to ever be released was in 1984, and it was Red Dawn. Oh, was the first PG-13 movie ever. Amber, on this day in 1973, UCLA's basketball team wins 61 consecutive games making it an NCAA record. Talk about good basketball coaches. Talk about playing a lot of ball. <laughs> John Wooden, who eventually went on to win 10 national championships. Oh, my word. I mean, he was on a row, 61 consecutive games. They didn't lose ah. for 61 games. How many seasons is that? That's two and a half? Back in the day, that might have been three or four. Well, that's all you, but that's a lot. <laughs> so a lot has happened on January the 7th in history. But ladies and gentlemen, it is that time for Off the Cuff to take a break and take its song of the week break. And the song that I have queued up for you is an oldie, but a great one. It's by my man Bob Seger, Trying to Live My Life Without You. And it's the live version of his song. Who doesn't love a good Bob Seger song? So sit back, relax, and enjoy. We'll be back after the song. It's not every day that your boy gets to be on the other side of the microphone and get to get interviewed. Yeah. But, Amber, I just recently appeared on another podcast. It was called The Lexington Business Show, hosted by Brandon Arvey. Arvey? Arvey. Arvey. And great interview. And you can check that interview out, if you're interested, on iTunes, Spotify. And he sits down with about a 60-minute interview with me. And he asked me a plethora of questions involving the radio, involving my teaching career, my broadcasting career. And it's a really different type of interview that I'm used to because 
it's the Lexington Business Show. <laughs> and the Lexington Business Show, my first question to him when I got on there was, why in the heck did you want me on the Lexington <laughs> Business Show? Well, that's a bad first question. You should have said, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> but so it made me curious why did he want me on the show? What did I have to offer? But I think I, I don't I still don't know. So maybe you can listen to it and tell me what I had to offer. Uh, well, I mean, you know what? <laughs> There's a few things I'm going to go ahead and tell a funny. You guys know he don't let me do this often. But, you know, I, I knew he was going to be doing it. I was so excited for him. I was happy for him. And we ended up meeting up that day. And I remember you showed up. And I was like, you didn't know you was going to be on camera today, did you? Because <laughs> here he come just a rolling. And he's, what do you have on that day? A hoodie? A hoodie and a, a pair of jeans. And a pair of jeans. What is wrong with that? That's, the, <laughs> that's a cash. Now, look, guys, I know him better than just about anybody. Normally, you'd have been... Well, I just said normally you you dress like midday, Adam, and you just showed up like (laughs) off the cover of Adam Banks, Adam, that day, which is fine. That's who you were there to be. But I think it was cool. You actually got to uh, sit down with somebody else and talk about some of the things you talk about with me, you know, which is just, you know, using uh, communication as an effective tool as opposed to, uh, you know, a hindrance and, you know, kind of what keeps you going. And I think that was, you know, that's why he brought you on there. Plus, you got a cool show. Well, I enjoyed it. And I think that the interview was pretty cool. And if you guys want to listen to that again, it's called the Lexington Business Show. And you can find that on iTunes or Spotify or wherever pretty much you listen to your favorite podcasts. It was it was a good time. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take another break. We still got lots more off the cuff after these words. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with no you. Amber is also in studio with me. No toil nor danger. This is a sad song. In that bright land. It's just got a melancholy. How do you say that word? Melancholy. Melancholy. Say it again. Melancholy. It has that feel to it. <laughs> Does it not make it a good song? Oh, it's true. But it's a sad song. They played this in that new Hulu series, Dope Sick, which you've seen. Absolutely. And I've seen. And folks, if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. It is an amazing miniseries on on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. It consists of eight episodes, and what I like about miniseries is it doesn't leave room for fluff. No. They can put a lot of things in eight episodes that is entertaining, and that's exactly what this show does. It's starring Michael Keaton, the amazing Michael Keaton, who went home with the Best Actor Award for, for his role in this. Now, Dope Sick is the epic tragedy about the deadly pain medicine Oxycontin, its maker and pusher. Purdue Pharma. So we know it's no secret that Oxycontin, there's a problem with Oxycontin in places like Eastern Kentucky, in West Virginia. There's, I mean, pretty prevalent. Oh, yeah. And what this show talks about is the creation of Oxycontin and how it got so popular in Eastern Kentucky. Now, this is based on the book by Beth Macy called Dope Sick. And it really talks about how the Sackler family, who is the family that created Purdue Pharma, they're pretty much responsible for the opioid 
epidemic in Eastern Kentucky. They really were catalyst as the family that got it started. Yes, they were. They were the owners of Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharma created Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. The intent of Oxycontin was to cure pain. And how it got pushed to Eastern Kentucky so hard and places like Virginia and West Virginia is because those are places where you are most likely going to have people with injury, which therefore with injury you have pain. And the reason for that is because those states are hard labor states Mm -hmm. where most of your citizens are working hard labor jobs. So it was easy for these pharmaceutical sales reps to go into these states like Kentucky and West Virginia and push drugs like Oxycontin. And also another thing that made it so easy for these pharmaceutical sales reps was the FDA label that was on Oxycontin at the time, which was in the 80s. Early no, it was was it in the in the nineties. In the nineties. Yeah. 90, around ninety six, the FDA had a label that less than one percent of people get addicted to oxycotton. Less than one percent of people get addicted to oxycotton. Do you know how many people get addicted to oxycotton if you stay on it? I would say one percent doesn't get addictive. I'd say one hundred percent gets addicted. It is a very addictive drug because it changes the way you think. Your brain, the wiring in your brain, that medicine does that. We're not talking about ibuprofen. We're not talking about no. Tylenol. We're talking about a medicine that will chemically mm-hmm. change your brain. Our brain is full of chemicals. Some medicines can change the wiring in our brain, and that's exactly what Oxycontin did. It made people get so addicted to it that they could not get off of it. They had to take it to feel normal. Well, because of this FDA label, Amber, this made it really easy for the sales reps to push this drug. Doctors were thinking, oh my gosh, this is a miracle drug. So doctors started prescribing this medicine for moderate pain like headaches and toothaches. Yeah. Prescribing Oxycontin for a headache, could you imagine? Oh, I mean, knowing what we know now, absolutely not. But at the time, they they had to go by what they were being presented with. You know, I try not to, uh, you know, it's no secret my family was riddled with the opioid epidemic. You know, I lost my father uh, due to a long battle of, you know, history of of chronic drug use. So this is something that I've seen. And, you know, I can remember being a child, you know, in that time thinking, oh, my gosh, why is all of this happening? Why is my life being turned upside down? And then to see it from the other point of view that this is just one singular man who just wanted to continue to grow. He had an ego, you know, one one man's ego. And we see that very clearly in the show, uh, Sackler, the 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 man who pushes and pushes for Oxycontin to continue, his ego led to the downfall of so many people. And, uh, you know, my family, unfortunately, was one of them. You said your dad, did you say, did I hear you right? Did you say your dad was uh, addicted at one point to Oxycontin? No, not to Oxycontin itself. You know, I mean, I don't really know. I just know opioids were an issue, which is the class that, you know, it comes from. Uh, That was an issue that my father struggled with. Was he prescribed the medicines or did he, or? No, you know what? I'm not really for sure. You know, one thing that you were talking about was how, you know, people in Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, we did manual labor. You know, the manual labor we're talking about is back in this day, we're doing coal mines. The coal mines were just a thriving. You know, if you grew up in eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia in the 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Temples were rolling. Trucks were just a driving. Coal was coming out and people were getting hurt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you see that in this show. Um, So I think, you know, 
maybe something that started with the best of intentions. You know, you like to think people have the best of intentions, but unfortunately. Yeah. So in this show, you got this character. Her name is Betsy, played by Caitlin Denver, plays this character great. She's a Virginia coal mine worker who is prescribed Oxycontin after she hurt her back in the mine. Mm-hmm. A very common incident. Very Hurting common. your back in the mine. And she was prescribed to it by her hometown doctor, who she grew up with. His name was in the show, Dr. Sam Phoenix, played by Michael Keaton. And when she takes this medicine, the doctor prescribes it to her because he's thinking it's going to do her no harm. It's only going to help. It's less than 1% addictive. Well, the facts it's he was fine. presented with. The facts he was presented that. with. But... Betsy, in the show, she finds out that the medicine didn't last 12 hours, like the bottle said. So they started... So Purdue Pharma, the dirty dogs, went back and said, oh, it don't last 12 hours. That's okay. You should just individualize the dose. Oh, that word. Meaning, meaning each dose, each dose depends on a certain individual's pain. If you have more pain, just up your dose. Oh, yeah. So the... Painkillers, they had a 10, they had a 20, a 40 milligram, an 80 milligram, and then eventually a pill that was worth 160 milligrams. Oh, my goodness. So when the 12 hours would, when, when when patients would still feel pain, they would just double their dose. Mm hmm. And eventually, Purdue Pharma, the dirty dogs, they went on to call it. Pseudo addiction. And that's basically saying that if people get addicted to it, it's their own fault. No, okay, okay. It's their own fault. And that hillbillies from Eastern Kentucky and Virginia are just used to getting addicted to things. We're not smart enough to not get addicted to things. That's what they were saying. Well, we're if we're smart enough to give you our money and good enough for you to take our money, but you know what? That's exactly the mentality they had. But in this show, what happens is the doctor played by Michael Keaton, gets in a car accident, little fender bender, hurts his back or hurts his shoulder. So his doctor prescribes him Oxycontin. Guess what? He gets addicted. Mm -hmm. And you start to see his downfall of being on top of the mountain all the way down in the valley because of this drug. And it shows you that it's not just hicks from the mountains that get addicted to this stuff. And I hate that they even call us that. But, (laughs) But it is everybody that gets addicted to this, that abuses this medicine. It's it's very, very addictive. And even if you don't abuse it, you're still putting things in your brain. You still run the risk of, of developing an addiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the doctor gets addicted and it follows. It follows that arc. So there's separate arcs taking place in the 90s uh, during the development of this. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about how eventually they got the FDA to change that label. Uh, you know, it. so basically the series, you know, finishes up with, you know, there was a, a, legal, uh, a legal lawsuit that was taken out, you know, against Purdue Pharma. And, and the big thing, you know, that I think kind of helped it was uh, the sales reps. That was the one thing I think out of this whole show that kind of got me. Uh, because, you know, I've worked with some sales reps before. I've seen these little weasels <laughs> you know, just out here wheeling and dealing. And that's exactly what 
these people did. They were wheeling and dealing with other people's lives. They were making so much money. Rolling in the dough, baby. It was so easy for these reps to sell these drugs because of the FDA label, and they were making bank. They were making bank, and it was giving them, they were doing, you know, we've got anti-kickback laws now, you know, that have been put in place finally, but, you know, you see a lot of unethical behaviors that took place, and Dope Sick really shined the light on that because, you know, these things happen not just with pharmaceutical reps, but with any kind of rep that you have, you know, that that's coming, especially when you put incentives on how much people can make versus what they sell. It also scares me. Uh, something also that this show shed a light on is the FDA. The FDA put a label, a very dangerous label. Less than 1% of people get addicted to Oxy. So... We listen to the FDA. That's what we go by. Well, folks, let's flash forward to 2022. Who is out here saying that the Pfizer vaccine is good enough to take? It's the FDA, right? Well, if the FDA was wrong back in 1996, who's to say they're not wrong in 2022? It made me change my whole perspective on thinking and completely trusting in the FDA. The FDA is human beings just like You and I. And anybody at the FDA could be bought out to put a label on a on a drug. Oh wait. You mean like the FDA director? That approved the label that you find out in this show would actually, and this is real life, folks, the FDA director approved this label and then immediately jumped ship and they work for Purdue Pharma. That don't see right with me. $300,000 a year. Making triple what he was making at at the the FDA. FDA. Yes. Yes. So who's to say that these pharmaceutical companies in 2022 wasn't sitting around and saying, like these pharmaceutical companies like Moderna and Pfizer saying, okay, here's our way to get some major cash. There's a global pandemic. Let's create a vaccine and let's get the FDA to approve it. Well, guess what? what? The FDA didn't approve it, but they put like an 85% emergency approval on it. Eventually, they approved the Pfizer. But now, because of that, everybody, millions and millions and millions and millions of people are going out and getting this vaccine, which costs money. Mm -hmm. So imagine the money that Pfizer made, that Moderna made, that Johnson & Johnson made off of these labels. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that the same thing isn't happening now that happened back in 1996 with this Oxycontin. Well, you know, all I'm going to say is, you know, they they did. They they targeted eastern Kentucky. And, you know, they were targeting uh, the generation that was our grandfather and grandmother and our mother and our father's generation. And what they didn't realize is they were creating a generation of children who watched their worlds just fall down around them, burn to the ground around them. And then they wonder why we, we demand answers now. We demand, you know, show us things. Be truthful with us because you've already destroyed our lives once before with this amazing Oxycontin drug that you brought out. That's not the only one that we know has ravished our communities, but it just goes to show that, uh, you know, people in power, they still have egos. And this show doesn't really have a happy ending because it's still ongoing. The opioid addiction, still it still exists. Oh, it will forever be here. And it's prevalent in the same states that yes. was featured in the show and it just it it just really just sheds light on on the drug 
issues in these states and and I think it was a great must see show to watch. A 1000 a 100% 1000% recommend it. Michael Keaton, best looking man God ever let grace this earth. And a great Batman too. He was the best Batman. I won't say that but he he was the best. Best Batman hands He's down. He's too short to be Batman. Who cares how short he is? He's hot. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we still got one more segment to go right here on Off the Cuff. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Last segment of the hour. Amber, this is a show that I feel like is educational in a lot of ways because our audience learns things quite often because I'm always bringing in the facts. Yeah, you always hitting us with some 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 just some weird quirky things we was never going to look up on our own. Like First lady facts or the vice president facts or because that's just what I do. Well, we've had you. You have talked about a lot of holidays. There's a lot of holiday facts we know now. So now I would like to do the same thing, Amber. But I want to give the audience and you some disturbing facts that you may not have known of. Oh, jeez. Number one, did you know, Amber, that the U.S. president at any given time has absolute authority to launch nuclear weapons? I didn't know that one. At any time? Yeah. At any time? Yeah, buddy. If he just gets an itch one day and says, I want to release nuclear bombs, he has the power. (laughs) Now think about that. Joe Biden, the guy who says that when he gets in the pool and rows up his legs and and the hairs stand up and the kids run about ladybugs. He's over our nuclear weapons. (laughs) Well, I think they, isn't there one other person that has to have the key code too as a fail safe? No. No? Nope. The U.S. president has complete control. Well... He doesn't personally carry out the order, but as long as it's verified as authentic and he really wants to do this, people basically just have to follow through. Do you ever wonder what happens to someone that dies on an airplane? Oh, geez. I hate flying anyway. They have to be remained in their seat. No, you until, hush. Until they, until you land. So you if the person hush. beside you passes yeah. away and just croaks, croaks you Do have I to get an extra beside. bag of peanuts or something. I would say they probably slide you some Coke. Yeah, I mean, can I get the whole can of Coke? Probably. (laughs) I mean, it's like a cruise ship. There's people that die and pass away on cruise ships. They have morgues. They they have morgues. On cruise ships. They do. They they also have a jail on cruise ships. You can get locked. Yeah. You can get locked in jail on a cruise ship. Fifty percent of American household or fifty percent of American unhoused people. Uh, were in the foster care system at one point. 50% of American unhoused people were in the foster care system at one point. I mean, I can see that. 25% of foster kids experience homelessness within two to four years of turning 18. That has to be terrible. I can't even imagine. I knew a girl. I knew a girl. This is a true story. When she turned 18 years old, her father got her in his truck, and dropped her off at the Salvation Army and said good luck and left. Wow. 
And she still talks to her dad today. Well, I don't know how. I, I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how. But how could a parent do that? Well, <laughs> don't ask me that question. Another fact is the Romans were notorious for gruesome execution methods, right? Perhaps the worst alleged method was called scaphism, where a person was fed and covered in honey, put in a swamp, and slowly eaten alive by maggots and worms. Oh, that's just, you know, that's, ooh. Rabies has a 99.9% fatality rate. You basically just have to wait out its symptoms until you die. Yes. Unless you go and... and well, You've got to get care like within a certain time frame. I cannot remember the time frame right now. But you, you pretty much got to go like immediately. So what happens, though, if you get bit and you don't realize that you were bit and you get uh, rabies? You Are go you just insane and you start to uh, basically act like a rabid dog. You start foaming at the mouth, stuff like that. It sits in psychosis. And but, then, but once you get to a certain level, uh-huh. are, are you screwed? Yes, yes. Like 99.9% it is fatal if you do not get it assessed uh, ASAP. Like, almost as soon as it happens, you need to be like boot scoop boogie in somewhere to get checked out. Another disturbing fact is, did you know that there is a tumor that can exist in human beings called teratoma that mm-hmm. can grow teeth, hair, and organs? Oh, yes. Like a person growing in your body that's not supposed to be there. Gross. Bayer, the drug company, created a blood clotting medicine for people with hemophilia in the 1980s. Hemophilia. (laughs) (laughs) They used donated plasma before there was a test for HIV. Thousands of hemophiliacs Mm -hmm. got HIV. Bayer and similar companies had to pay out $600 million in lawsuits. Wow. Even worse... They created a new version that was heat-treated to kill HIV, which they sold to the U.S. and Europe, but kept selling the old meds to Latin America and Asia. Wow. Think about how sad that is. Blood transfusions used to exist before they really got a grasp on what HIV was. Oh, absolutely. And they were putting infected blood in healthy people's bodies. I mean, but at the time, you know, you just didn't... You know, we we hadn't been through the, the AIDS epidemic yet. It was not something people... It wasn't on the radar. Period. It just wasn't on the radar. Another crazy disturbing fact is about chainsaws. Now, you probably think of a chainsaw as a tool for cutting wood, or if you're like Amber, you probably think Texas Chainsaw Master. <laughs> That's literally what I was thinking. But it actually originally was invented to help with childbirth. So when babies would get stuck coming out, doctors yeah. would have to remove some pelvic bone no. and cartridge to free space. Uh-huh. So the medical chainsaw was invented to aid this. And people wonder why I don't want to have kids. <laughs> no, I am not Texas Chainsaw Massacring my pelvic bone. Another disturbing fact is your pets will eat you if you die in your home and aren't found for days. I can 100% probably <laughs> say that would happen at my home. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Because Ralph not, over there just chewing on my jawbone so did well i've heard that animals will do that even if you're not dead like let's say that you're i knew a guy who could not feel anything i didn't know him personally but i read the story of a guy who was paralyzed from the waist down he couldn't feel his feet and he thought his dogs were just licking his toes his dogs were eating his toes oh my word trying to get to the bone i guess well munching down on his toes (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) Talk about a little little light snack. Another disturbing fact 
60% of all wildlife has vanished since 1970, and it's still going down. I can see that. You know, it's illegal to kill things like zebras and and apes and and lions. You're not allowed to kill these things because there's not many of them. No, it's not even just those big ones. I mean, there are just whole species of animals that are even, you know, indigenous to here that are being eliminated. Here's a fun movie fact. The scream of the demon in The Exorcist was created using recorded sounds of pigs crying as they were about to be slaughtered. Oh, that's... Thank you for that one. Another fact about The Exorcist that's disturbing, one of the x-ray technicians in one scene would go on to become a convicted murderer. Oh, well... And just a couple more here. Our universe could potentially be wiped out at any time by a wandering black hole a nearby supernova, a vacuum decay, or any number of other things in the galaxy. This the one got the hole we need. <laughs> I mean, scientists are always trying to tell you that there's a black hole out there that we could be sucked into, but we just can't fathom it, so we don't like to think about it. It's like that movie, Don't Look Up. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't watched that it's one It's a new one. Yeah. And uh, it's <laughs> talking about, I believe it's about a meteor or something that's I, about I to hit think, the Earth. I think. But we don't think about those things because we think, well, that can't happen. Wow. <laughs> that can't happen. And finally, we I can't confirm this one. So take this as a grain of salt. But someone wrote someone wrote this. I've been deeply involved in AA for over 47 years. One of the many things I've learned is all profe- in all professions or one of the many things I've learned is all professions include people who are drinking or drunk while working. This includes airline pilots. I'm betting as I write this, there is a legally drunk pilot in the air right now. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'd have to get lost in the sizzles too to be up there flying every day. Well, you think about these pilots who get up in the air and they fly and nobody's probably giving them a breathalyzer every time they get no. on a plane. And you can't pull them over. What are you going to do? Whoop, whoop. Pull over here to that left cloud. Yeah, let's uh, let's wing it over here. Yeah, <laughs> because once they're drunk and they're in the air, you're at their mercy. Uh, Huh? Really, you're at the Lord's mercy at that point. Uh, because I feel like I'm at my own mercy, though, because if I just concentrate on the plane not falling, it will not fall. I agree with that. <laughs> but those are some disturbing facts to end the show. Wanted to make sure that you had a good night's sleep tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps up another episode of Off the Cuff. If you like this episode, you will probably enjoy our archives. So check all of those out on podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. You can follow Off the Cuff on social media by going to Instagram or Facebook at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. You can follow me, the host, at The Adam Banks. You can follow the, the co-host at Ambu447. We release new episodes live right here on WLXU 93.9 every Thursday from 4 to 5, which means we'll be back live next week with a brand new episode. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Ember Turner. I'm Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff. We'll see you next week. I told you that I never would, told you-